You're now listening to the Boys in the Booth podcast with your hosts, Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. New episodes every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Good evening. Welcome to episode 94 of the Boys in the Booth podcast. We are your hosts, Cody, Melbourne, and Abrams. Hard to believe, guys, that we are uh, almost at the midway point of August. I don't know where the summer has gone. This heat wave is crazy. It's going to feel like 40 the next couple of days. Uh, how are you guys doing? How was the weekend? Doing all right right now. Pretty sure I'm going to die playing to soccer tomorrow, but I think uh, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Weekend was great. Harp. We got out to the Jays game and uh, got myself a, a Bichette jersey, big fan, and then they walked off with a homer. So can't end a game much better than that in baseball. So that was a lot of fun. And then some festivities after and once again i'm recovering on a monday (laughs) yeah join the club dude that was a blast i haven't been to a jays game in a long time and you know to be able to do it and see the walk-off homer like can't ask for much more i don't even know half the players anymore like i feel like (laughs) disconnected a bit i was in the elevator in my building and i was wearing my roy halliday t-shirt and that was when i was connected to the team when roy halliday was there and you know guys like vernon wells and greg zahn whatever like back in the day when i played and so and that's why i wear 32 in hockey and in baseball but he asked me he's like oh yeah like did you see the crazy game last night like when i was heading to the game on the day of and i was like oh shit man like this you know sorry to tell you (laughs) not like the biggest fans that was a bit of an embarrassing (laughs) moment but uh fun weekend overall the festivities case is an understatement after the fact we had a really good time really great weekend and uh i'm retired right now so i spent all day uh (laughs) recovering i'm you know freedom 24 i'm retired for the next couple weeks uh you know before i start law school so i'm just you know i'm I'm in a good place and i just have kept telling myself that i got to keep you know i got to put some work in to edit that video that i've been promising everyone i'm gonna get out so that'll be out in the next couple weeks or so before i start school but anyways long-winded answer we haven't recorded we didn't record last week so it's been almost two weeks now and yeah uh, so that's that's uh you know some explanation for that but harper how, how you doing man how, how have you been <laughs> Yeah, I'm good. I mean, I wish I was at the Jays game at the Rogers Center there over the weekend with you guys. And I'm like you, Melbs. I don't know many of the players now. I've been kind of checked out since uh, the uh, powerhouse of a team that they had back in 2015. I bought an Edwin Encarnacion jersey, you know, uh, a few years back and all that. But uh, yeah, great that you guys got to go to that game, see the walk-off homer. Uh, No surprise, I got up to some festivities and uh, misbehaving over the weekend as well and recovering on a Monday too and so yeah we obviously took last week off because it was the big uh, long weekend with the civic holiday and everything but it's great to be chatting with you guys again and so uh, for this episode I've actually got cap or no cap so we'll start with that and then we're going to go into one one little interesting stat from that baseball game we were at um the Jays are the first team to get a walk-off home run in three different stadiums in one year since Baltimore Ravens in 1898. Yeah, I saw that stat. 
Wow. <laughs> That's pretty ridiculous. All because of COVID, right? Because they've been playing in, uh, you know, not their stadium. So, yeah. But yeah, sorry. I just wanted to get that one in there because I think it's a pretty interesting one. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, but yeah, as I said, we'll do cap or no cap to start. And then uh, we will talk about uh, winners and losers from this offseason. So we'll start with the losers first and then go into winners and one team each. And so. Uh, looking forward to that discussion. So anyway, uh, we'll get into cap or no cap to start. You're now listening to Cap or No Cap right here on the Boys in the Booth podcast. No cap, this shit busting. With the uh, with the news coming out today that. You know, John Cooper is going to be uh, the the bench boss for for Team Canada uh, at the Beijing Olympics in 2022. Uh, NHL players will take part in the Olympics next year in Beijing. Cap or no cap? Uh, Chad, we'll go to you first. I'm going to say no cap. Uh, we've already seen some teams that have started their training invites. At least um, we see, we saw Team Sweden. I posted the other day on our uh, on the Boys in the Booth story that they have invited uh, a ton of players to come, sort of as a sort of like a meeting, their first official meeting as a team. There are some notable names left off due to scheduling conflicts. We assume a guy like William Nylander actually was left off. Eric Carlson, they only had two goalies invited. So very, very early starting. But I think players now uh, and and the people who are organizing these teams are really starting to think about uh, NHL players being able to go. And I think it's becoming more and more of a possibility as the days go on. So I would really love to see that happen. If you don't have them there, like it was last Olympics, you're not playing best on best. And I just don't understand how that makes any kind of sense. I understand it from the owner's perspective in the NHL. They don't want their assets going to get hurt, you know, in the middle of a season or whatever. But um, I'm going to stick with no cap because I would absolutely love to see them play. It's it's the best next to watching the Stanley Cup finals. It's pretty much the best hockey you can watch. And that excites me to no end. Yeah, no, I'm going to agree. I'm going to say no cap. Uh, I agree with you, Chad. It's the best hockey to watch. Like, I love the World Juniors, and this is the World Juniors on absolute steroids. These are the best guys in the world, especially if they're all allowed to go. Um, You know, they've been negotiating this for what feels like four years now. So if they can't figure this out, I think it's nothing but disappointing. Uh, They've announced coaches they've they've seen we've seen team invites yeah and they shifted the schedule to have a gap for the olympics i i will really be uh, surprised if they don't go so i'm gonna say no cap same there are a lot of factors pointing in the direction of nhl players being able to go we just haven't heard the official announcement but i think like you said case there are a lot you know a lot of factors pointing that way the fact that they moved the schedule around and everything like i would be shocked if they're not there so well, we know that all the guys would like to go, right? Represent their countries, and uh, but the clock is ticking, right? Like you need to have a decision, uh, you know, made far enough in advance. And so, uh, I'm with you guys. No cap. I hope that they get to go. So, uh, okay, uh, number two here for cap or no cap. Matt Murray will be able to bounce back in goal this coming season for the Ottawa Senators. Cap or no cap, Casey. <laughs> that's a tough one that's a good one harp I'm, I'm gonna say i'm gonna say no cap i think that 
he still has the talent that won him two Stanley Cups. Um, I think that the Ottawa Senators are going to be a better team this year. I think they're going to be spending a little more time in the offensive zone with the the team they're going to be uh, fielding. And I think it's it's only time for him to bounce back. It's been a couple off seasons, and and he, he's still a good player. Uh, there's some other goalies that are looking for a bounce back year, like Carter Hart as well. And I, I think that if there's one position to do it, and it's it's goalie to to bounce right back the next year. And I kind of hope he does because I, I, I am a little bit of a closet Sens fan. So <laughs> uh, I'm going to go the other way and I'm going to say cap uh, just because I think, although I agree that Ottawa is going to be better this season and I mean, they might even be a middle of the road team instead of, you know, bottom 10, bottom five of the league that we've kind of gotten used to them being over the last few years as they've gone through their rebuild. But I think they're going to be a better team, but I just don't see Matt Murray bouncing back because of how many games He's going to have to play against teams in his division, the Atlantic division, that is so top heavy and there's so much scoring in that division. I think the Sens, while they might be good, they might be a middle of the pack team, they're going to get caved in a bunch of nights. And unfortunately for Matt Murray being the starting goalie, I just don't think that reflects well. Uh, for his numbers this season and hopefully he proves me wrong I like Matt Murray he's a good goalie he was a great rookie won two cups as a rookie which is insane but uh, we haven't really seen much of of what he can do in Ottawa yet so I'm just a bit skeptical to to uh, say that he's going to bounce back yeah certainly saw flashes of that rookie goaltender that he was in in Pittsburgh winning those two cups in 16 and 17 but it just hasn't been enough and so uh, would certainly like to see him bounce back. And and as far as the Senators are concerned, I think they're going to have some uh, some mild expectations for this season, right? They were so good the second half of the year this past season. And, um, I mean, don't see them making the playoffs. But, yeah, it could be that middle-of-the-pack team. And then, yeah. you know, the year after, maybe actually make it into the playoffs and, and try and uh, become a contender. So, anyway, uh, it'll be interesting to see how Matt Murray performs. And, finally, uh, Case, I, I had to throw this one in there. So, uh, you can uh, you can cue the eye roll and, and all that. But uh, this one was on our Instagram earlier today. Uh, Jack Eichel will still be a member of the Buffalo Sabres by training camp, which, by the way, starts September 22nd, uh, cap or no cap, and uh, Case will will go to you. So, If you actually look in my contract that was wrote up a few months ago, it states that in Section 2, Paragraph B, I will no longer have to talk about Jack Eichel being traded because, holy, I am sick of it. Me too. I am, I, just gives me the willies every time i see his name in the media now like it was actually painful watching the uh the um free agency market because if there was a lull and they weren't a signing being announced they just immediately resorted back to talking to, to talking about jack eichel and yeah you know before that it was talking about jack eichel and now the the, the narrative has started to shift where it was Oh, like what teams make sense for a Jack Eichel trade? Where do we think he's going to go? It's the Rangers, it's LA, it's Anaheim, it's whatever. Now it's becoming who has the assets to bring in Jack Eichel because the teams that want him don't want to put up as much as Buffalo is asking for. And I'm just really fed up with it. Um, honestly, I'd prefer if he went to the KHL, get eight figures like Krill Kaprizov. Um, yeah. Just leave. Leave this league if you don't want to play. Like, just sick of them. So, uh, Honestly, 
don't really care, but I'm going to say Cap. I think he's going to be stuck with Buffalo. Uh, okay. I think he's going to remain a Sabre at the start of training camp, but I don't think he shows up. I think it's a... It's oh, a, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it's sure. a Matt Duchesne situation where it's a player and it's an asset to his team uh, and to the management group that knows they can get something for him and they don't want him to get injured any more than he already is with that neck thing that he's got going on. So whether he takes that time off away from the team to get the surgery that he's been wanting to or just to rehab it or whatever, but I, I think definitely... He's away from the team and he sits on the bench until they finally get a deal done. Again, similar to a Matt Duchesne or like we've seen over the years, um, you know, with different players who are just sat out near the trade deadline because you don't want them to get hurt because that will deflate the value of an asset. So I definitely see something like that happening with Eichel. But I mean, I'm in the same boat as Casey. Like, I'm sick of hearing about this. Like, we said two months ago for, for Buffalo, shit or get off the pot, and they're still squatting. They're still there. So there's just, you know, and, and Case, I, I agree with you, man. Like on TSN and stuff, that's all you hear about. Anytime there's a break, free agent frenzy at the draft, at whatever, it's like in between. It's like Jack Eichel, where is he going? What's he doing? And it's like they already got rid of everyone else you know they got a boatload for Rista Linen, which was a great return uh they got a decent amount for Reinhardt and so you think Eichel's gotta get more than both of those guys and it seems like Buffalo's just asking too much and teams don't want to give it up because that maybe they're concerned about his injury history or something with this whole neck thing but I don't know man shit or get off the pot here we are two months later saying it again well two months later Chad we've been talking about a Jack Eichel trade and, and, and since we have been, I've lived in three different houses in two different cities. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I know. I know. I mean, how, how do you think I feel? Right, guys? Like, they just <laughs> see, seeing this drag out. And I want it to be over, too. And his agents, uh, Peter Fish and Peter, uh, Peter uh, Donatelli, coming out with the statement and everything. And, and like, Chad, how... There's no way he can walk back into that dressing no. room after all of this. There's no way. So no. I agree. I think this does drag out longer into early September. I mean, a deal is going to happen at some point. But yeah, I, I do think it's very possible that this goes into training camp. He doesn't show up. He holds out uh, because there's no way he can walk back uh, into that organization after what's gone on. So uh, anyway, here we are still talking about it. But we knew this was a possibility, right? If Buffalo shit the bed again which they did this past year it was going to be the talk of the off season and and it certainly is so anyway i, I saw right, an article boys. headline harp just before we finish sure. off here i saw an article headline today in the athletic and it said something like is this now finally rock bottom for buffalo <laughs> like the oh. team hasn't made the playoffs in 10 years they finished last like four times in those 10 years or some something <laughs> like they got multiple first overall picks. Like, is this finally rock bottom? Like, do you see a future or not? Because I don't at this point, like I don't, but maybe that's just recency bias. I can't see this team being good anytime soon. But I I don't know. We'll see. I just thought yeah. that article headline was was you know, caught my eye. So one more thing. I saw a funny meme on Instagram and it was like Jack's like headshot from this past year, and he's got the big like poofy hair and everything and uh like 
it's been edited to make him look like super old. And it's like, it's the year 2069 <laughs> and Jack Eichel is still a member of the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah. And uh, I laugh pretty hard at that. So anyway, uh, it's got to end sometime. We just don't know when. Uh, all right. Great stuff, boys. Cap or no cap for episode 94. Now let's get into the winners and losers of the offseason. So we're going to start with the losers. Uh, we pick one team each. Give our thoughts on that, some discussion, uh, and then we'll go into the winners. So, uh, Casey, we'll start with you. Your loser of the 2021 uh, offseason, which isn't over yet, but uh, certainly is coming to an end soon. I mean, a lot of teams have made a lot of their moves already and a lot of minor moves and extensions that we've seen lately. But anyway, who is your loser for the 2021 offseason to date? My loser is a team that I would typically consider one of the smarter teams in the league, and that's the Carolina Hurricanes. I was just kind of baffled left, right and center the whole offseason with these guys. And, you know, let's get some highlights here. They, they let Dougie Hamilton walk for free. They let uh, Mrazic walk and Reimer walk. So they had no goalie. Well, you know, the struggles of the Carolina Hurricanes the last five years have always pointed, pointed towards goalies. Well, they finally had one emerge as a, a future number one for them in the Delkvich. And they trade him because they didn't want to pay him $3 million a year, which is well, val like perfect value for him. They trade him for Jonathan Bernier and a third round pick. And then Bernier walks. So then they decide to bring in two more new goalies, just completely roll the dice and change this team up in net. And they pick two of the bigger band-aids in the entire league and two guys that came off poor seasons the year before. So now you're looking for two guys to, to uh, bounce back this year and stay healthy in net. So you really failed in goaltending. That's for sure. If you ask me, um, they traded Warren Fogle for Ethan Bear. I may be on the outside with this, but I personally think they lost that trade. I prefer Warren Fogle. I don't think they needed any more defense. It's kind of a crowded decor now. Yeah. And replacing Dougie Hamilton with Ethan Bear is just missing the mark, if you ask me. Yeah. Um, then they brought in Cole and Brendan Smith into that already crowded sixth def defenseman spot. They, they have like four or five sixth def defensemen. And then the problematic Tony D'Angelo is their next defenseman they bring in. That one was just puzzling to me. I didn't think that kind of a, a smart, respected franchise was going to bring in a player who's been on the outs of the league because of his issues off the ice. So that was a little baffling to me. Um, you know, they bring in all these defensemen and then trade Jake Bean that could have just been the guy for a second round pick. Um, and, you know, all this being said, they, they still have $12.3 million left. Oh, wait, but they haven't signed Andrei Svechnikov yet to, yeah. a, to a contract. It's like, I really don't know what they're doing. Uh, personally, you know, they did bring in a couple more guys like Derek Stepan and like re-signed Martin Nook, but Really, a team that won their division last year, I only think got worse. So, yeah. to me, the Carolina Hurricanes lost this offseason. I agree. A lot of a lot of potential for keeping the same group and just adding to it and getting better. It, you know, you could have kept Mrazek, maybe even Reimer too, both of them, especially Nedeljkovic. Like, depending on what they wanted to do in goal, they had three pretty good options. 
They let them all go. And now they're taking a flyer on not just one goaltender, but both of them. As you said, Case, hopefully they can bounce back from injuries and whatnot. But like you said, two band-aids in net. So that's not great. Like they also lost, uh, what's his name too, to Seattle, Hayden Flurry. So it's like, you're not, you know, you're not getting better by losing these guys, especially Hamilton, like one of the best defensemen in the NHL, even if you didn't want to pay him as much as New Jersey did. Like, I think their final offer started with a six, correct? 6.42. What a joke. What a uh, joke. They they were looking at the Tory Krug contract as, uh, as a, uh, like a, a benchmark for I Hamilton. Think they, I think they lost probably a lot of respect among players in this offseason, you know, letting Dalkovich walk because yeah. they didn't want to pay him three million for two years and Dougie Hamilton lowballing him at six point four. Like yeah. Come on. What I'll 6. say point four for Dougie Hamilton. Yeah. That's a joke. What I'll say nine about million Fogel? maybe a little much. Sorry. Nine million maybe a little much, but six point four? That's such a slap in the face. Uh, anyways, I mean, nine million is still less than the nine point five or nine point two five or whatever that Jones and Marensky both got. Wasn't they both over nine point five? Like something. Anyways, yeah. so I'll take that. Like at, in that market, nine million for Hamilton again, one of the best defensemen in the NHL, like top ten for sure. Some people have him in his, in their top five. So like, yeah, I'll do that. What I'll say about Fogel is that. I heard Elliot Friedman weeks ago, maybe even six weeks or two months ago now on 31 Thoughts say that Fogel wanted out and there are a couple other players who wanted out of Carolina. So it's like, I don't like, even if you like the player and you don't love the return in Ethan Bear, like personally, I think he's great, but you're right, Case, like he doesn't really fit. They didn't really need him. And that's a poor replacement for Dougie Hamilton. But I mean, if if the guy wanted out, the guy wanted out. So maybe their hands were a right. bit tied there. So that's all I'll say on that. But yeah, just a disappointing offseason. And they better hope they have a bunch of hits because if they have more misses than hits this year in, in from free agency and through trades and stuff, they're going to be bad. And my final thought on Carolina as well is that one thing I did like was their drafting. And, and they always draft well. They always do. But something about trading down to get two picks that are slightly lower rather than their first, you know, getting one pick. Like they did that in the first round. They had a late first rounder. They traded down. They got two second rounders and like stuff like that. I personally, I really like because it's a value bet. Like I think after the 20, 25th pick or something, but up to like the 50th, there's not a lot of variance and it's really like who you like. So right. I, I think that's still a good move. So there were some positives there, but man, but like, yeah. To, to summarize it, yeah. the, you know, the two biggest weaknesses that come to mind when I think of the Carolina Hurricanes in the past few years, goaltending yeah. and special teams. Well, you're completely rolling dice on goaltending and you you lose your number one power play quarterback in Dougie Hamilton it's it's a little confusing um they're a team that in back-to-back years have lost in five games in the first round first to Boston and now to Tampa Bay it's like this is a team that is a top team in the league and just needs a little push to get them over the edge and I feel like they're falling backwards so it's it really doesn't make much sense to me well, at least the head coach is still there, right, fellas? That's right. True, true. And he's um, you know, that. they were able to they were able to work it out with Rod Brindamore, but there was even some doubt about that. And I just think there's just it's a bit of an ownership issue there. And yeah. Tom Dundon and just the what the media has had to say, and he's very stubborn. And 
really tough to negotiate with. Like, I think it, it, he only wanted to give Nedeljkovic, you know, a million five when he was a finalist for the Calder Trophy, like a young goalie on the rise. That, to me, is the one move that really sticks out as the sore spot for for the Carolina Hurricanes of their offseason, I think. I, I like. I mean, I, I think a lot of people kind of knew or like knew where it was headed with Hamilton. He was just he was going to get way more money on the open market. I personally thought he was going to go to Seattle and he ended up going to New Jersey. Congrats case. But um, yeah, it, it just it's uh, it's been a weird offseason. And again, like you said, Chad, you just you hope that they have some hits here and and that uh, they really know what they're doing. And I'm glad you brought up the drafting, too, because yeah. especially outside of the first round, I think they've done really well with those two young Swedes that Case likes that they took um, in, in last year's draft and in previous drafts as well. So anyway, it'll be interesting to see how it all works out in, in Raleigh. Um, Chad, you're loser of uh, this offseason. Okay, so I was down to two teams, and I, I did pick one, but I just want to give an honorable mention uh, right now to Minnesota as I think the one of the worst off seasons this year, and not for any particular moves. I mean, the buyouts stand out to me. I don't think that's good cap management, but it's more so just their inactivity and their inability to sign cappers off long term. Like we just heard today, and Casey mentioned it too, like we just heard this half an hour ago that Kaprizov reportedly has an eight-figure deal in place for one year with CSK Moscow if he doesn't get it done with Minnesota. And it's like, that was your best player last year. Sign him long-term. Give him what he wants. Like You want to not be a middling team? Sign a superstar who was your best player Calder Trophy winner, like the best player they've seen in years. And to add on to that, they also haven't re-signed Kevin Fiala, who is also an RFA. So that's two glaring holes. If they don't get either of those done, like that's a joke. Um, You need two-thirds of their first line? Yes. Yes, exactly. Like two of their best players. Um, The buyouts, I'll say I didn't like because I think Suter is still good. Like he's not worth his contract but he's still a good player i understand parisi but this this year it's costing them uh or sorry next year it's starting to cost them 12.7 against the cap and the year after that up until 2025 it's costing them 14.7 against the cap so i really thought this offseason they were going to make a push for a guy like eichel or like someone who can score or you know and just add to their team because they were decent last year like they made the playoffs right but here we go again minnesota being a middling team you know so I don't know what to expect. And also, too, a positive for them, I'll say, which was nice. They drafted Wallstedt at 20th this year, which I think was probably, it might be the steal of the draft, getting Wallstedt at 20th. So I'll say that. But okay, so my worst offseason, though, has to be Edmonton. And not because I think they got a bunch worse than they were last year, but just because I think that they spent their money in the worst way possible, especially on the back end. Like they have like, look at Edmonton. Okay. What do they need the most? 
Well, last year it was goaltending, except for the 10 games that Mike Smith played that he was good, but it's been goaltending over the last few years. Well, they're going in with the exact same tandem in Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen, unless something changes, but that's who's on their roster right now. Um, and then what's next? Bottom six forwards, like you need depth scoring. You're a one-line team, sometimes a two-line team if you split it up. I will say I do like how they added to their top six. I do like Fogel case, and I like Hyman. Yamamoto's come into his own, and uh, the other guy there as well, Pugliarvi. I like their top six, but man, look at their defense this year. They have $30 million plus tied up in their top six defensemen. And it's not good. It's Nurse, who they overpaid a shit ton for. That's a joke. 9.25 or whatever for Nurse. Yep. And Tyson Berry, who can't play defense. He is a winger. And you're playing him on your top line against tough competition. Then you've got Duncan Keith, who you got zero salary retained for. Cody Cece, who you overpaid because he had one good year in Pittsburgh. Um, and then you've got Chris Russell Evan Bouchard, who I do like, obviously, good young defenseman. But then Clefbaum, that's another one who's still a question mark if he's even going to play. So their top six or seven guys are taking up like $31, $32 million, which is a joke. Like you ha- And then you add Dreisaitl and McDavid to that. Like You don't have money to fill out this roster, even if you wanted to. So I just think because of their poor cap management this offseason, like they get a big old F for me for, for this offseason. Like, hands down, has to be one of the worst. What do you guys think about it? Uh, because of adding Hyman as well as Fogel, honestly, I'm going to give them like a D because mm-hmm. I do agree that the number one glaring problem that they needed to uh, to pay attention to this year was goaltending, and then they just re-signed Mike, 41-year-old Mike Smith to a two-year contract or I think he's 41 anyways. Um, And yeah, then this back end, we're kind of left wondering who's going to play defense on this defense. Um, You know, Evan Bouchard, as much as I like the young guy as well, I I still don't know if he's there defensively. Like he's a good quarterback and he's good puck mover. And obviously the same as Tyson Berry led defenseman in points, as you mentioned uh, a couple episodes ago, Chris Russell's just really good at getting in the way. He's not, really a defenseman I want to rely on. And then Clefbaum, I think all signs point towards him not playing this year. That's mm-hmm. the reason why they left him exposed to Seattle, right? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm not really in love with this decor at all, but it it also smells like one of those groups that's just going to somehow get it done. I yeah. don't know. I just have this little feeling like on paper, yeah. I don't like it, but in the back of my head, I'm like, why is this going to be good? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they're going to be bad by any stretch of the imagination. I just wish that they filled out their roster in a way that made sense to me, especially because they lost Adam Larson, who is arguably a top 15 defensive defenseman in the NHL. And there might be some pushback on that, but the guy can play defense is the point. And on a team with six or seven defensemen who can't really play defense, like that would have been nice to have in your top four rather than Duncan Keith at 5.6 million or whatever the hell he makes. So there's just a lot of question marks to me. Like, and the, the most glaring one is, well, there's really two really big ones. It's who's going to play defense, as we said, and who the hell's going to stop pucks. Like, you're taking a chance on bringing Mike Smith back. Like, he was actually good, like I said, for a handful of games, but he's just another year older. And especially now with this, you know, defense score that got worse defensively that, you know, we all think it did. So 
it's going to be tough for him in that. So I really mm-hmm. don't know how they're going to finish. You know, they're lucky the Pacific Division sucks this season. <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> I knew I knew you were going to pick the Oilers like I knew before we started this episode. I do like the forward group like I think Hyman, even though I I don't know how well that contract is going to age at seven years at what, five and a half million a season. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, the, the guy is all effort and the last few years has put the puck in the back of the net. His offensive numbers have grown. Fogel, another guy, Swiss Army Knife, a good, you know, uh, top nine forward. I I liked Ethan Bear. I think that maybe they could have gotten, you know, Fogel and maybe a draft pick for him. But anyway, I mean, two good players. I like the forward group. But yeah, on, on D. And, and it's the deal for, for Cody Cece that really sticks out. Like, mm-hmm. talking about a guy like that in last off season like you know one of those guys that just need to go over to the united states somewhere have a good season and then uh you know earn a contract somewhere else but it like and a good year in pittsburgh like we mentioned did not warrant a four-year deal at 3.2 million or whatever it is a season uh back in canada where he really struggled with the ottawa senators and the toronto maple leafs so doesn't make a lot of sense i mean yeah the whole duncan keith thing i think that's more of just bringing that guy in for leadership and man like you got to hand it to Kenny Holland. He has been fearless this offseason. He has shown he's got big brass ones. And uh, after the Oilers got swept in round one by the, the Winnipeg Jets this past year, he's going for it, really trying to change up the makeup of this team. And uh, I mean, I, I, I I agree with Case. Like I think it's just it's gonna somehow work out for them. You look at Holland's track record as as a general manager. I mean, he's got to know what he's doing. You would think, and uh, it it is really important too. I should mention for Edmonton to make some headway this year to really uh, turn into a contending team because you only have so long with this core, and you've got two superstars who are in their primes right now and so they got to make some headway so yeah you just you you look at these moves and you're like oh okay you just you hope it works out i'll say this as we wrap up on edmonton um according to dom lecision who harper i know you don't love but he's the guy from the athletic who has the model he's very heavy into analytics dom lecision he has this team, the, the Oilers, technically adding the second most wins uh, compared to the entire NHL from their, their last year's roster compared to this one. So adding the second most wins, calculable number based on the performance of the players, wins above replacement is the stat that's used. Second most wins only behind uh, the New Jersey Devils. So uh, that, there's something to that. But I will say, I think there are more than a few regression candidates on this team. Cody Cece being a big one. Duncan Keith as well. Tyson Berry, I don't think, leads the league as among defensemen in points this year. So I'm no. not sure what that model does for regression or if it accounts for it as all, at all. But that's just something uh, you know worth noting from The Athletic. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, okay, uh, on to my loser now. And uh, I, I don't have a ton to say about this team just because they haven't done anything. Like, they haven't done a thing this offseason, and that is the Pittsburgh Penguins. And honestly, guys, I'm really surprised after yet another first-round exit uh, against the New York Islanders and with how poor the goaltending was this year with Tristan Jari and Casey DeSmith and there were rumors about bringing Flurry back. Like, there were a lot of goaltenders out there. Like, I think if they at least got a goaltender and did nothing else, I would be fine with the Pittsburgh Penguins going into the 21-22 season. But it's just, it's the same group you're coming back with. And like I said, guys, I'm really surprised that we haven't seen more action or a big shakeup one way, shape, or form with the Pittsburgh Penguins, given that now it's Ron Hextall and Brian Burke running the show and all the talk going into, um, you know, those guys being hired on into that organization was, oh boy, like here comes a big change to shake up this team and keep them in that contender status. So uh, I don't know, guys, what do you think? I just, I, it's, it's the same group. They've, they've done nothing. It's been really quiet in Pittsburgh and in net is the number one glaring uh, issue. Yeah, there's the argument to be had where it's, you know, is not doing anything a bad thing. And and sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't. And personally, in this one, maybe I would say it is a bad thing because you're running out of time uh, with a lot of these players. So, yeah, you want to make that last push to be that that championship team that's plugging holes to kind of stay relevant. Um, but, you know, that being said, we talked about this team last year. You guys had a lot of negatives to say about them, and then they won the division. It's like, never count the Penguins out. Never count Sidney Crosby out. And that's kind of the position I'm in. Like, sure, they didn't get any better, but I don't know if they really got any worse. Maybe just a year older, but I don't think that's going to hurt them too bad. And um, this is still going to be a contending team next year. I just, yeah, they definitely should have went after the... Uh, many goalies available the goalie carousel they've been calling it but maybe they're not done there is still a uh, crowded net in dallas so there's maybe one or two guys on the way out there and mm -hmm. uh, a couple other goalies available around the league so you never know if they're not they're going to make another deal here but yeah you know for a team that needs to stay relevant they didn't do much and for me that's a fail so yeah i agree i just want to say case that i never doubted the penguins so you can lump Harper into that, but don't lump me into that. From the very start of last season, my whole theme was if they get at least average goaltending, they will win the first round. And I picked them to go deep in the playoffs, if you recall. And that's why I picked both, I don't. That's why I picked both Latang and Crosby on my uh, or sorry, Gensel, not Crosby, on my fantasy team for the playoffs. I was in a fantasy league that Nate organized. And I picked both of them because I picked them to go deep if they get at least average goaltending. And why did they lose that first round series? Because they had shitty fucking goaltending. And there was a <laughs> glaring mistake when Jari played the puck out of his net and tossed it right up the middle. And the goal went in. And I said, see, 
first of all, you just cost me like a hundred bucks that I was going to win because this team, if they could just, you know, go through and, and they have a good team. Like, you know, I, you, like you said, like, and I've been saying this for time, like you can't count out Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. Evgeny Malkin, one of the most underrated players ever, you know, like, and so you can't count this team out. I'm so surprised they haven't done anything in net because you've got two guys right now, DeSmith and Jari, who are both huge question marks. And whether you think shaking the team up in a big way is good or not, they could have at least gotten insurance in net and gotten a solid tandem goalie like a new Dobin. And that still might happen. That would be cool. Or like a Kemper who is now gone or even a Ranta who we said is a bandaid, but like he's at least proven that he can play. So it's just, you know, it's goaltending and we, we, we all know it. We've all been saying it. And if they get average goaltending next year, I'll say this again. If they get average goaltending next year, they will be a good team again because they have Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang, Jake Gensel, etc. Kasperi Kapanen, blah, blah, blah. That's my take on the Penguins. It hasn't changed. It's Their goaltending is shit, and everyone knows it. I, I, I know that this, this take by me is going to come back and bite me in the ass because you guys are right. You, can, you can't ever count out the Penguins, but I just, you know, I just, I look at the team and, you know, I think they haven't really done anything since winning the back-to-back cups and they want to get back there again. And they just, they haven't, they just haven't changed very much. And the goaltending is the big thing, but anyway, we'll wait and see. I, I certainly could see me, uh, getting uh getting screwed on on uh, this take for sure so anyway uh okay that is our three losers and uh we'll go to our winners now so we'll end uh we'll go into uh some positive talk about the off season so our three winners so far and uh once again case we'll, we'll start with you well, I think mine's obvious, my my unbiased bias opinion here, but I am going to talk about the New Jersey Devils. Next. I just have to because they had such <laughs> a great offseason, the most improved team in the whole league, like you said, according to Dom Lecision. Um, You know, there's a couple big moves that clearly make this team better. There were some needs that Tom Fitzgerald, the GM, mentioned going into free agency saying, these are where we need to improve. They said, we need a top pairing defenseman a right-handed defenseman a top six forward preferably a scorer and a veteran goalie to back up Mackenzie Blackwood well right away Tom Fitzgerald you know lives up to it the the hype around him in devil's uh, cult fiction cult <laughs> reality whatever you want to call it um and he gets Jonathan Bernier on maybe an expensive deal, but with a team that has so much cap falling out their ass, it, it's no problem at four point um, four point one two five for two years. That's a that's an easy deal. He's he's a great veteran. He's going to back up Mackenzie Blackwood. One A, one B, bingo, bango. That's done. All right, top pairing defenseman. Let's get the best available free agent in the whole league and bring him into jersey that's something they've never done and they got dougie hamilton for nine million for seven years some people are saying that's a lot but when you look at the market and what the other guys are getting i'm going to take dougie at nine over uh seth jones warinsky and darnell nurse so the nurse one is bad the nurse one is bad nurse is a lot that's a lot (laughs) 
So, boom, they got their top pairing defenseman done. They got the right-handed top pairing defenseman. So, two boxes checked off right there. And then they go out. They're talking Tarasenko. It doesn't sound like they want to give up as much as St. Louis wants. So, they pick up Thomas Tatar. Done. Easy. Pick up this top six scorer who um, is going to play so well alongside Jack Hughes. And for $4.5 million, some people, Chad, think that's a lot. But considering the market, again... It's not because Gramlin, Hoffman, Bennett, and Bertuzzi all got more or the same dollars. So to me, that's another big win by Fitzgerald. And then just the re-signings that these guys did to just save cap. Igor Sharangovich was a stud last year for them. They got him back for two years, $2 million. Yane Kolkinen, who is playing top line at the end of the year with Sharangovich and Jack Hughes, 1.825 for two years. McLeod's back for 975,000 utility player for two more years. Siegenthaler, 1.125. And then there's the big trade that I absolutely love and has gone so under the radar that people keep forgetting that it happened. And when I bring it up, they go, oh, yeah. Ryan Graves mm-hmm. for Mikhail Maltsev and a second rounder. That's, again, just Tom Fitzgerald taking advantage of a team that knew they were in trouble come the Seattle expansion draft and needed to get rid of a guy or lose him for free. And while Tom Fitzgerald jumped on that, lost a fourth-line prospect player and a second-round pick for a very solid, very big defenseman, and this decor got even better. So I'm just so thrilled with everything that's gone on with this team. And they still have $13 million to deal with right now with no one left to resign. So that's great cap management. That's great asset management. And that's bringing in a lot of good players to make this team better instantly because they're trying to uh, trying to let Jack and Nico enter the next stage of development, which is contending. Yeah, I love everything about this offseason. I, I won't even lie. And it's it's funny to me that you can easily so easily tell which teams are invested in analytics more than others. And New Jersey is one of them, for sure. You look at Thomas Tatar, okay? And this was my argument for why maybe he was he might be overpaid a little bit. Whether that's a case or not, we can debate that. But I was just saying, I think I was expecting him to sign for less because a lot of GMs don't value him as an analytical darling. He's a player that doesn't fit into all systems like Montreal. He's been scratched multiple times. So I thought his value was a bit low around the league. But clearly Tom Fitzgerald understands his underlying numbers, understands how he's a great play driver and can score great finishing ability and thought, you know what, if I have to pay this guy an extra 500K compared to what the market is for him, I'll do it because I know he's worth it. He's a good player. So that was my argument on that. We already went over that a bunch uh, just between the two of us. Dougie Hamilton is another guy who is undervalued, I think, by a lot of GMs in the NHL because like, he's not a typical hockey guy. Like that, That argument is legitimately made oh, he likes to hang out at museums rather than the bar and shit like that. It's like, he's a good player and he's six foot six, plays the right side, um, can score and can also play defense. Like what more do you want from Dougie Hamilton? And to get him for less than Wierenski and Jones and Nurse is an absolute joke. Like I think it's incredible. Jonathan Bernier, and sorry, Case, I know you want to jump in. I got two more points. Jonathan Bernier is a player who... Again, you know this team focuses on analytics because Bernier's name is sort of tarnished from his time 
in Toronto, wasn't able to become a true starter. He's been a good tandem goalie, and that's what he is now. But if you look at his goals saved above expected, he's one of the best goalies in the league over the last two seasons. And when I say one of the best, I mean like top third uh, percentile, so in the top 33%. Like, he's good, and it's just because his name, you know, doesn't mean much as it did when he was a backup in L.A. years ago when there was so much hype around him. And the final one is Ryan Graves. That's another player who... As a Leafs fan, that was somebody that I wanted them to target in the offseason. He was going to be exposed by Colorado, prime target for to get him on, for a cheap deal. And that's a, just another savvy move by Tom Fitzgerald and company. So I have no problem with any of the moves that, I, that New Jersey has made. And I think they're going to be a contender in probably two years, if all goes well, maybe even next season. So I, I love a case, and I totally agree with having them as the, the best offseason in the NHL the, the, so far anyways. Yeah, you guys kind of all said it there. This is going to be a fun team to watch this coming season, and I do think Fitzgerald has done a great job since he took over. Great cap management. They're young, very exciting with uh, Sharon Govich and just, and you know, Hughes and Heischer taking the next steps and, the decor is is the biggest one that got so much better. Hamilton and Severson won two, and then adding Graves. Elliot Friedman said it a little while ago that uh, a lot of people around the league were saying, too, that Siegenthaler is a really good bet, they think, as well, for the Devils. Yeah, you, you look at this this their decor. It's Ryan Graves with Hamilton, Ty Smith, who is phenomenal in his rookie season with Damon Severson, also going to be their quarterback, Ty Smith. And then Siegenthaler Subban, like that's an expensive six, like bottom pair, but Subban can still play and Siegenthaler is a big, solid defensive defenseman. So you put him with Subban, I feel a lot more safe. That decor got so much bigger. Ryan Graves is big. I think he's 6'4". Dougie Hamilton, 6'6". Siegenthaler's huge. It's like this this team just got bigger on the back end and all of them can yeah. skate. So it's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I mean, just not much else for me to say about the devils and uh, man, they've, they're definitely taking some next steps and uh, getting closer and closer to becoming a contender. And even as soon as this year, I think uh, top four uh, placing in that Metro division is not out of the question. Yeah. And just just bringing in Dougie Hamilton, I honestly think that did so much for the franchise and that maybe this can become a free agent market, a team like a place where guys want to go and and they can see that other guys want to go there. Same as Tatar. And if if you look back, uh, the last guy to sign for six years or more out of free agency in New Jersey was Anton Volchankov. Like it it rarely happens in Jersey. So this is pretty big. Yeah, damn, it's a statement yeah. for sure by management yeah. Oh, yeah. saying, you know, we're ready to compete. And uh, there's a handful of two year deals. Like, I, I think, uh, uh, what, like Tatar is a two year deal. Kokanen, I believe, is a two year deal. Yeah. Uh, Sharon Govich is a two year deal. So it's like, I think they're kind of setting themselves up to compete in the last year of those contracts. And then if all goes well, that's an easy extension for those players if they want to yeah. stick around not and to keep mention, the group. Not to mention the $9 million that is coming off the books next year in PK Subban. That's right. Yep, that's, that's huge. Right. No, I, <laughs> great offseason in, in New Jersey. There's no question about it. Uh, Chad, your winner of this offseason. <sighs> 
can you go first with yours? Because I have a feeling we're on the same wavelength and I've got two. I'd like to keep one as an honorable mention, but we'll see if, if you say it. So why don't you go ahead and then I'll, I'll cap it off here. Sure, I can go first. Um, you know, it may be a bit of an unpopular one because you you look at what this roster is going to look like for the coming season and they're going to be really bad. Like, they're not going to be good and, and they're looking towards the future and the number one overall pick next year, which is... Uh, more than likely to be Shane Wright, of course, out of Kingston. But uh, I got to take the Arizona Coyotes as my winner of this offseason. And reason for that is the job that Bill Armstrong has done recuperating draft picks by taking on bad deals and just setting that price that, okay, no problem. Like, we'll take on your, your, bad, uh, your bad money but it's going to cost you like, give me some draft picks. He's the, he's the draft pick uh, monster. It's not the cookie monster, the, the pick monster. So um, no, like Billy Armstrong has done a great job. Uh, they get a first round pick in this year's draft. They draft Dylan Gunther, which I think was a great pick for them. Uh, arguably one of the most uh, talented players in, in the draft or sorry, arguably the most talented player in the draft. And, Looking at the picks they've got just next year, guys, from all the deals that they made, you know, the the big one, obviously, with Vancouver, finally moving on from OEL. Garland, who I, I really like, and Chad, I know you like him too. I think we all do. Who I thought, you know, he could be that one guy they could sign long term, but they move on from him. But that was a whopper of a deal. And uh, the deal with Philadelphia to take Goss to spare on, the deal with Florida to take on Strawman. They've got two first-rounders. This is just next year. Two first-rounders and five second-round picks <laughs> just in next year's draft. So um, they obviously had a plan. They're going in, uh, like, both feet in the water with this and trying to recuperate uh, assets, draft picks, and starting over. And I, I tell you, it's a bright-looking future in, in Arizona, and we haven't been able to say that in a very long time. So I love what Bill Armstrong and company has been able to do, and uh, they've committed to this, and I just think it's been a great offseason for them. It's uh, they're they're looking towards the future. You can see the plan now in in Arizona. Yeah, Chad, you talk about teams making a statement. Well, Arizona made the statement of we don't want to win next year. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty clear that they're ready for the rebuild. And if I'm a player on that team, I'm going, OK, it's about to get stressful here in Arizona. <laughs> but uh, nice place to live, at least. Yeah, that Vancouver deal is huge. Like OEL was on his way out. That's a bad contract. Like you, you, yep. t you think, oh, they brought in some bad contracts and uh traded oel it's like yeah those deals are only alive for two more years oel is there for like what five or six more mm -hmm. and yeah. he's already regressing like i really think that was such a good deal to bring in a lot of picks and Eight, then yeah there's 8.25 million a season that's a lot that's, that's a lot of picks and then yeah like they just kept going they just kept eating cap left right and center and it, it's an interesting way to do it, and uh, I'd hate to be their accountant. But other than that, like, <laughs> it's exciting to have that many picks back, especially when you have to forfeit picks and when you, you know, have a a 
a player that you basically have to give up because of the off ice um, issues and you know there's a lot going on there in Arizona while I think they uh they slapped a patch on that leak, and and they've certainly got themselves back on the right track. But boy, are they going to be bad for the next couple of years. Oh, oh God. Yeah. Yep. I'm just excited. And Harp, this was my honorable mention then. I, I picked two, and Arizona was one of them. I thought yep. you were going to say Arizona. When you were talking about it, I thought you were going to say Buffalo because you were talking about all the picks they got in. And I was like, oh, my God, if you say Buffalo, I'll quit the podcast right now. But <laughs> but no, I'm excited that Arizona made a statement like this and they're really leaning into their rebuild, which is something that we haven't been able to say about this team. They're another team That's that right. was sort of just middling and like that doesn't get you anywhere. So I'm happy they made the statement. So many picks. They got Connor Timmons back. Uh, for Kemper so that's another guy who sort of fits their timeline unlike uh, you know maybe a Garland or OEL who why pay Garland on like you know a short-term deal or something if he's just gonna rot before they're good you know getting rid of OEL like that was great OEL was really good like two three years ago and you know like upper echelon of defensemen but he's he's not there anymore so Vancouver's hoping that he bounces back, but we'll see. That 8.25 doesn't look great right now, but um, nope. like I said, I'm happy they made the statement. They have so many picks, and they're going to just get even more because any player on that team, Phil Kessel's the first one that come, comes to mind, that doesn't fit their new timeline that they finally set for rebuilding is going to get traded at the deadline or later on in the offseason before the season starts. So you're ta- we're talking like a Phil Kessel. I mean, that's a, that's a good pick in return or like a, you know, a Schmaltz or something or like whoever, right? Like whoever's still on that team, like other than, you know, Clayton yeah. Keller and Jacob Chikrin and a few others maybe. But yeah, they've got players to play. They've got NHL players on their team. Most of them make way more money than they probably should, but they've got players who can play. They're not going to be good, but I'm just glad they made a decision to actually tank. It's going to be pain for the next three to five years. But, you know, if you've got Shane Wright or Brad Lambert in both of those 2022 eligible or Connor Bedard, Matvey Michkov, both of those guys are 2023 eligible. Like these next two drafts are going to be huge and they really pick the right time and the right drafts to, to tank for and to go all in for. So I think it was a super smart move by management and sort of cleaning up the mess from past organization the past organization group like as much as i like john chica and i thought you know he was kind of a new age gm he kind of fell off the face of the planet after they lost that draft pick and everything so it's uh, (laughs) Mm -hmm. they're they're not only cleaning up that mess they're cleaning up everyone else's mess in this league (laughs) that's right you have to assume there's some sort of favor out there now that like teams want to deal with them because thanks like and and for one no return I don't for know Goss how many Bear. times I've seen that uh, for Gosses Bear and Lad, and then two set or three seconds, a third, a seventh. Like, yeah. holy shit! And yeah, you talk about guys who are on this team and can still play hockey. Well, Shane Gosses Bear, man, someone just needed to take a flyer on him. I think that he can still be really good, and if that's eating a contract and giving up nothing and still getting a second and a seventh, like that's sweet insane. deal. I bet he still plays good hockey. It's a change mm-hmm. of scene and he's going to get some big minutes and this is a guy that you want to be playing on your power play so yeah. he probably wasn't doing that in philadelphia anymore and here he is so yeah, the, yeah. 
there's a lot of great deals here. I, I, I it kept blowing my mind to see that Arizona was the team when you hear these cap dumps every single time. But yeah, it's cool. Good for that. I just like the the five second round picks next year alone is what really sticks out to me. And just how like that Kemper deal was huge. Like getting yeah. a first and Connor Timmons. That's a, that's a fantastic return for for that goaltender. So, anyways. I, I really like what Arizona's done this offseason and the icing on the cake. They draft Shane Doan's kid. So yeah, I think true. that was really great as well. So you know what? Uh, tip of the cap to, to uh, Bill Armstrong. He's done a great job there, man. Things are finally looking up in Arizona, and it's been a long time. So now they'll be competitive right at the end of Matthews' contract. So then he'll, you know f off and go play there so that's great yeah. for me you know thanks arizona for having yeah, a plan gonna be, it's gonna be tough to <laughs> to go play there when they don't have a team in arizona though <laughs> yeah true true <laughs> all right chad finish us off take us home you're your winner of uh, this off season okay it's a controversial one and it's very team specific so it's not going to fall into a lot of the typical arguments that i i make like the value bets and like you know mostly getting good analytical players as well like but it's it's very team specific because this team is very much in i think a win now window that is closing very soon um and they were bad last year and they were bad the year before but they were a dynasty this decade and you can probably think you know guess who i'm talking about here but it's chicago it's not a it's not a popular pick because there are some bad contracts that that they just signed and the first first one that jumps out is seth jones and we mentioned it like they traded too much for to get him in the first place and then they signed him for too much money but you know what at the end of the day they got the player He's still very good. And I've said this multiple times. I understand the analytics community doesn't like him, especially valued at 9.5, but he's still a really good player. And to have him locked up now for until the end of Kane and Taves' contract, I really like that. Um, Just the fact that they got him. They got Marc-Andre Fleury for literally nothing or so we thought at first. And but then I guess it must have been for a contract spot. So they chucked over an AHL or I don't even know who it was. But it's just, you know, they got the literal reigning Vesna trophy winner for essentially a contract spot, which is a joke. So that was a savvy move um, that I thought was personally a, a very, very good one. Um, they'll be getting their captain, Jonathan Taves, back this season. He said he's going to play. You remember, he didn't play all last season due to a sort of undisclosed issue, something about autoimmune, or we weren't really sure what it was. But he has come out and said that he will be playing. So that's, you know, one of your best top six players jumping back into your lineup. And let's not forget, you know, John, Johnny Taves has regressed a, a little bit over his last couple seasons, but he's still a very good player. So there's that. Yep. Um, they added Tyler Johnson for a second round pick and Brent Seabrook getting that contract off the books for a guy who will literally never play hockey again. It amazes me what Tampa Bay does when they take on contracts like this um, just to be able to spend over the cap. And it, it's insane, but it's you know good for them to be able to maneuver it. But 
Tyler Johnson is no slouch. Like we talked about this in our Seattle episode, like he would be a perfect fit for Seattle because given the right, you know, role on a team, he can score 50, 60 plus points and he can be a go-to guy. So I look at this top six now and, or, or really it's the top nine and you've got Kane, Taves, Debrinkit, Doc, who is a year older and only getting better. Kubalik, Strom. Uh, now you have Tyler Johnson, Alex Nylander, who you hope is healthy for this upcoming season, and then whoever else you want to fill in for your ninth spot. They've got a handful mm-hmm. of guys that could do it. But I yep. look at that forward core and it's pretty damn good. And then I know the D core isn't great, but I mean, you've got the Jones brothers, which is good. I wouldn't have given up Boquist if if I were you know that 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 trade and and the whole signing like I said I didn't love it but they got the player that they wanted so so whatever so that's why I'm saying that this team despite some blunders still did a really good job in the offseason and like I started it off it's very team specific because they're in a very short win now window with their two big boys still on the books, Taves and Kane, while they're still at the tail end of their prime. So if they can win another cup in the next you know, couple years with this team, I'm not saying that they're going to, but I do think they make the playoffs. And once you make the playoffs, literally anything can happen. So that's why I'm, I'm saying this team uh, did a really good job this offseason, but it might be controversial. Yeah, I got to agree with you, you know, mostly for the goaltending uh, scenario here got a lot better. It used to be just uh, Subban and Lankanen, and now you got the Vesna winner for absolutely nothing in Lankanen. So that looks a lot better. Taves coming back improves your team without doing anything, which yeah. is always nice. Um, that was a lot to give up for Seth Jones. But that's a stud that you're bringing in. Yep. Like, I, uh, sure, I'm, I don't like what they traded for him and I don't like what they signed him for. But in the end, he's a, he's a great player, so that's going to help big time. The reuniting brothers, left, right, and center, so that's fun. Yeah. Like, why not? That's fun. And yeah, this team is going to score a lot of goals, so mm. it is exciting to watch. Um, and yeah, getting rid of contracts, like everyone was trying to think of who's going to bring on Tyler Johnson because of his bad contract. When you trade one bad contract for another one, it's like perfect deal sounds good this guy's still playing hockey the other guy's not yeah perfect and yeah there's a lot of studs up front there so and the duncan Um, keith trade i mentioned we're talking about the oilers but from chicago's perspective that's a great trade you get that guy off the books making too much money they've still got some cash to spend so you know we'll see what they do and he didn't want to be there anymore so it's like that's right perfect yeah there you go (laughs) Mm mm-hmm yeah, no, it obviously the Blackhawks are kind of a, a touchy subject just with and we won't get into it just with everything going on with them. But I mean, they have had a very good offseason, I, I, I do think. And uh, yes, that that Jones deal, I don't like it. I don't think a lot of people like it. But man, like, let's not remember or let's not forget what this guy did in the postseason Uh, in the playoff bubble last year for Columbus. I mean, that guy is an absolute horse uh, on that blue line, and uh, he's got his brother there. That's obviously a great story. Chicago was very convicted with with that and and going out and grabbing him. And I really like the the forward group, like you mentioned, Chad. And and, uh, they've got some 
uh, like good bottom six guys like Brandon Hagel, for example, who they yeah. just signed to a, a nice bridge deal. He really took a step this year and they've got some young defensemen back there like Bodan, Ian Mitchell as well. So I, I'm not. I don't think it's that big of a deal losing Boquist. I think he's going to be great in Columbus, but they do have some young blue liners back there who I think are going to be good for them. And yeah, here we go again with the Blackhawks. They're trying to speed up uh, this retool rebuild. And I do think that uh, they've, they've addressed some needs this off season and it's been very good for them. Yeah. It's interesting how, they can get so much better this year, but still not really sacrifice any future. And they yeah. they just still have that blend of like veteran youth on this team that is so interesting. You know, you got two older guys in, in Taves and Kane. Well, let's slot them besides, beside Debrinkat, Doc, and Kubalik and Strom. It's like yeah. you have so many young guys mixed in there with these veterans. It's really perfect. And maybe like as we look at this group, like maybe it did make sense for them not to qualify Puy-Suter. I mean, I think their top nine looks even better with him, but maybe it was something like, okay, maybe we have to address a different need. We already have the guys who can score. Maybe he just didn't fit. So, because we talked about that earlier in, in the season, they didn't qualify Puy-Suter and it was like, what the hell are they doing? But the more I look at this team and and now with Taves back, it's, it kind of just crowds the top nine. So, I, I kind of understand it a bit now. Still a great player. And where did he even end up? Do you guys remember? Is he Detroit? Detroit? I wanted to say yeah. Detroit. I wasn't sure. But yeah, mm-hmm. so that's that's a good player for them. But yeah, sure. there, there's, you know, there's a couple downsides to their offseason. Uh, the price they paid for Jones is, is obviously a big one. But overall, that's why I said it was a bit controversial. But overall, like, I think they did a decent job this offseason. And they went from stinking last year to a team who I think is going to be pretty good and and probably make the playoffs and then like I said anything could happen if you make the playoffs look at the Montreal Canadiens who finished 18th in the NHL last season so (laughs) (laughs) and uh, like one final thing on the Blackhawks I mean Chad you said they stunk last year but like they were a heck of a lot better than expected yes like oh my god they could have finished dead last last year but they just like the the young guys really took a step like a lot of and a lot of young guys that you wouldn't think i mentioned hagel um mckenzie uh uh and was another one i think i can't even say his name but um there were a lot of guys and the young defensemen that i mentioned before and the goaltending from lankinen and so um just bringing back a guy like Taves and adding a guy like Jones, they've just, they've added. And, and uh, like you said, case, they've got a nice veteran youth mix there. So it's, it's going to be fun to watch. Okay. So is that it? We got anything else or. I think that's it. Yeah, I think that's it, boys. Great job. Uh, winners and losers of this 2021 offseason. Training camp starts September 22nd. And with how time has been going this summer, that date is going to be here before we know it. So uh, anyways, looking forward to uh, the 21-22 season getting underway. It's been a quick off season, but a wild one. And uh, it's been great. So thanks for listening to episode 94. We'll talk to you again next week. Bye-bye. This has been another episode of Boys in the Booth with Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. New episodes every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts.
Connect with the Boys in the Booth on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Boys in the Booth. Visit boysinthebooth.com for show details. And don't forget, you can become a patron of the podcast for just $1 a month at www.patron.com slash boysinthebooth.